Merry Christmas, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. This is episode number 50, coming to you Christmas Day on 2020. I'm your host, Phil Huber. I'm joined today, as always, by Logan Whitmer and John Doyle. On today's episode, we're going to give our year in review on what we've been doing woodworking-wise and maybe some look ahead for what's coming up in the next year. Hope you enjoy the show and that you've had a Merry Christmas. This episode of Shop Notes Podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com. All right. It's obligatory at the end of the year, and I think probably a federal law, that uh, radio shows, podcasts, uh, TV shows have to do some kind of a year in review wrap up. So we're just just following following instructions here. Mm-hmm. We couldn't just roll out a best of podcast, <laughs> <laughs> or did we try to do that? And there easier. just was we, no best. We do that in the new of. year, just kind of a, <laughs> a greatest hits. Everything was tied for the best. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, like I when tell my kids, you. Best, I tell my kids, you're all tied for my favorite kid and also tied for my least favorite. So mm-hmm. that's right. Deal so with when it. you're on the floor, the only way to go is yeah. up. Everything's right. at the same yeah, level. You can't fall off the floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in spite of this is, I feel like in talking about 2020, it, it's almost like, you know, the, the old joke with, you know, asking Mary Lincoln, you know, like other than the gunfire, how was the play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, twenty twenty was like the longest decade Too soon? ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? Twenty twenty is turning twenty one, so hold your shorts. Yeah. Yep. Twenty twenty one. Buckle up. So is twenty twenty one the official start of a new decade? Is that how it works? Yeah, it depends the, on how you want to count it. Like, I mean, most normal human beings say like 2020 is the start of a new decade, new decade. but then there's yes. like, there's no year zero. So you get those people. Right. I don't know. Sorry if you're one of those people listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. No offense. No offense. Yeah. So, but yeah. Which, you know, okay. So as crappy as 2020 was, right? Like I feel like we had some good stuff go on, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean it's. I mean it started obviously with the, the Shop Notes podcast, right? Started Shop Notes podcast. God, started started twenty twenty with those mystery boxes, <laughs> the Woodsmith mystery boxes. So that's how this year's been. I forgot that was this year. Yes. That's that's terrible. Which if you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with that, um. There was this bright idea, uh, like we have all this kind of what do you like? The warehouse was full of kind of inventory. 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 Our shop yeah. was full of, you know, we've collected a lot of hardware over the years. You know, that's good, but it's just we weren't going to use it on projects, right. so our drawers were filling up. So we had the idea of having these mystery boxes for ten dollars. You would get forty dollars in value. And we rolled out that promotion over our Christmas break. So nobody was here and yep. it ended up selling, I don't know, thousands nobody of those. Nobody could switch it off. 
Yeah, it's like turn it off, turn it, stop uh, the count. Yeah. So I mean, finally, we got it switched thousand, on, right? Yeah, it was it, a thousand or fifteen hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So and so yeah. some people bought one, some people bought two, some people bought three. I think four, five, six, like six of these. So we were in yeah. after the first of the year, figuring out how to box these things up and ship them and and what to put them, in them too. What to put in them to not over. Well, you know, yeah, and like, weigh them and not give like people said, doubles was, that ordered multiples. So yeah, and it was good stuff, right? I mean, it was like oh, yeah. at you know at one point Woodsmith had been selling project kits, where it's like you buy mm-hmm. the project kit for a, a clock and you got a clock movement and the hinges. Yeah. So it's like we just a bunch of that stuff from mm-hmm. old project kits that we hadn't promoted in a long time that we had you know dozens of. Um, yeah. And yeah, was, we had books. Like, and oh, hey, DVDs we sold a lot. Let's USBs. go through all the, yeah, man. Let's go through all the Horton Brasses hardware that we have sitting in the shop and, and start mm-hmm. putting it in. Because a lot of times when we build a project, we order, yeah. you know, three different sets of hinges, and then we choose which hinge to use once they all come in. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. other two hinge sets yep. usually go in the drawer. So. Yeah, or handles and knobs and trying out different stuff on projects. And, yeah, yeah. So maybe it was like unintentional foresight on our part because it was like a virtual garage sale, right? Not it knowing was, that yeah. twenty twenty was going to be largely virtual anyway. Mm-hmm. Which, how many yeah. times this year did we say? We were looking for something. It's like, oh, we had that, but we put it in a mystery box, so it's gone now. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, and I think it was good because it the people that bought that mystery box stuff, like I, I like to think that some people ended up building stuff during quarantine using mm-hmm. some of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, because we included the maybe plans did, for those but... the clocks that that we had the hardware yeah. for. So hopefully there was a lot of clocks built this year. Sure. So you could just sit around and look at your new clock. Watch it. Watch yeah. the minutes tick by. Well, no. and we kicked off the podcast in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when we kicked off yep. Shop Notes podcast? Was 2020? Yeah. So yeah. I think we you know, let's put that shot in a few column, of them maybe. in December. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We'll see. Year's not over yet. <laughs> So, so that was, that was good. I mean, the podcasts are fun. Mm-hmm. Like we get yep. a hit on topics that we don't usually hit on and stuff. So, and it's a chance yeah. to be able to talk about like what goes on behind the scenes a little bit. You know, we do that a little with the Facebook lives and on YouTube, but having that, I don't know. And to be able to connect with, people it's not just a magazine or a faceless brand or something like that i think is it yeah makes it good plus i just enjoy talking about woodworking and you know being able to share that with other people hopefully they can feel like they're a little bit part of the conversation i know based on some of the comments that we see on youtube people are talking at us while we're doing the podcast anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah we might have to try a live yelling podcast in 2021 yeah. <laughs> Just stop. Um, stop. 
I will say that I feel like I've spent more time in my home shop this year than I have mm-hmm. and made more time to be out there. Yes, it's definitely kind of slowed down outside activities a little bit as far as, you know, the kids activities are running to here or there, you know, social events or athletic events or everybody's been able to find more time, I think, to A, spend time with their family and B, be outdoors and kind of work on hobbies and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. I know that I've been able to uh, be quite a bit more physically active. I've been doing walks with our dog, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm averaging like five miles a day now, so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. See, I've kind of gone the opposite way. I started out the year <laughs> like from January to the middle of March. I think I lost like 15 pounds, and then I gained back the COVID 19, as they're set calling it. <laughs> so I'm like up. <laughs> like four pounds on the year <laughs> swung back the other way so like the stock market just See, went I, down and then went yeah, back I, up i'm at an all-time high <laughs> setting records so. See, i will i hit my like my weight i needed to hit to order the sawmill that was the whole thing with my wife it was like hey hit this number and you can get the sawmill and i like went and touched it and then i ran back a little bit and I just kind of stayed there, which would be great. I mean, yeah. you know, it's and actually like sweating like off all that weight with the, the sawmill. Well, I was going to say, like in the middle of summer, I actually like you get out and mill during a day, like you'll drop five or six pounds in sweat in that day. It's like, man, mm-hmm. it's, it's been it was a hot year out there. Yeah, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. But no, you know, I think for me personally, 2020 was kind of exciting because I, I mean, not only did we, I don't know if I want to say get to work from home, we were forced to work from home, <laughs> which was mm-hmm. personally, I really enjoyed it. I mean, granted, we all had the benefit of being able to go into the video studio and film still, you know, a couple months into everything. Right. Um, so we all got some interaction with each other because I know that's what a lot of people really hated about working from home is you, you don't get a face to face interaction. Uh, but we had that. But I also did get my sawmill. So that was like 2020 was my best year ever. Like people can hate me all they want. <laughs> I don't care. Bring it on, people. <laughs> well, I think that's a part of the agony of 2020 is because there was so much like really good things that happened because bad things happened you know Mm -hmm. that you know and i'm not trying to downplay there are people that lost their jobs and livelihoods and people being sick and um a lot of people dying but you know in a lot of disasters it affects a relatively small portion of the population and the rest of us have to adapt to it somehow. Yeah. Well, and it's not like mm-hmm. 2020 yeah. was only the, I mean, yeah, the, the whole COVID thing was, is a large portion of it, but other crap happened. You know what I mean? Like we had that mm-hmm. huge storm come through Iowa that just right for, for, yeah. you know, months and weeks and, you know, people are still recovering from that. 
So, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And know, other people had just... wildfires locally. Yeah. Yeah. Or hurricanes or yeah, huge snowstorms or. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of localized stuff too. So, but yeah, yeah, I think working from home has worked out, you know, fairly well as far as getting to go home and reset up my shop, which I didn't use very much because just we were in here and using the tools here. And so it's kind of nice being home and, you know, setting my own shop and, you know, it kind of started out like just getting set up and doing kind of some silly, stupid projects like the squirrel picnic table <laughs> and hey, the can crushers. And yes. So, I mean, it was the best year ever for the squirrels. So, but so started out with that. And then uh, I guess it worked out well for my kids too, because we were all kind of home and bored and everything's closed. So we ended up started you know, building a playhouse this spring and swing set. And so they got that. And I don't think probably would have had the time or a notion to, to get started on a project that big if it weren't all kind of home together and bored. And so that worked out from that for that. And so they missed out on some school in the spring. And mm-hmm. this fall, we got really bored and decided to get a puppy. So it's a win for everyone. <laughs> That's yes, that is what I do when I get bored as I get another animal. <laughs> right. Uh, and then John talks about having to get so up I'm at not, 2 a.m. We're not bored dog. anymore. Yeah. Get up early, watch Mandalorian, hang yep. out with the dog. You know. You know, I think I think that's right. And that's one of the things that kind of has led me back into working in my shop. Or, you know, kind of resetting up my shop, like you said, John, is we were so used to and conditioned, at least myself and you. I know Phil did a lot of stuff in his shop, but you, we were so conditioned to just doing stuff in the shop at in, at the office because it's like we're there. The tools are there, you know, just got to bring your stock in and that's it, you know. Uh and who doesn't want to work in a shop that has a huge dust collection system and, you know, everything's right there and it's usually set up pretty well. Um, and a separate and, table saw set up for dados. And a separate dado table saw set up. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, yesterday in the video studio, I had to change over this table saw in the studio three times, like dado blade, table saw, you know, standard ripping blade, table or dado blade, ripping blade. It's like, yeah, take that for granted. Everybody needs to table saws in their shop so that's kind of what i've 2020 man yeah that's what i've learned get you every time <laughs> but no i mean that that was a that was a fun thing like i i don't want to say it was the mo- motivation to get my shop all in order because i mean obviously when i when i built my house i designed this area as a shop that was the entire reason i finished this room in my house was for my shop um, but it was one of those like, Hey, here's the kick in the shorts you need to actually go do it in your shop, you know? So that was, that was kind of fun. That I'm, I'm thankful for that. It's, uh, it's nice to have everything kind of getting to the point where it's set up how I want it. Nice. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely helps you relate more to what our readers and listeners on average are probably dealing with working in their home shops and some of their oh, yeah. challenges and, and and that kind of thing. So it's nice. Yeah. Well, and 
I'll say for me, it's one of those things. It's like, it makes me realize, you know, the more I work in my shop, like it makes me realize what I could really, I don't want to say deal with, but like what I could, you know, I don't need a full huge dust collection system. Like we have at the shop. It's like, I need something from a table saw. And yeah, I think we talked about it last week. Or we talked about it filming. Like I could legitimately, I think get rid of my table saw and just use my bandsaw. I mean, Phil's done that, you know, it's like, I think I could legitimately do that and I'd be just fine, you know? Um, so it, it kind of opens I mean, my eyes to some other ways of working, which is good from an editor standpoint, you know, coming up with content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're just going to throw the saw stop away, I mean, <laughs> I'll take well, it. See, <laughs> the problem is if I did get rid of my saw stop, I'd have to get like a big, like one way lathe or something or a, a robust or something. Yeah. So, yeah yeah i mean that's what i did at the beginning of this year was to get rid of my table saw to make some more floor space in my workshop and i have to say that i've really enjoyed having the extra space and there were quite a few things in getting rid of my table saw that i was worried i don't know worried about apprehensive about whether i would miss a certain feature or a capability or something like that. Um, and then a few things that I was looking forward to. And for the most part, I think my apprehension was overplayed that there were very, sure. very few times that I missed having a table saw in my, in my home workshop. And it was kind of nice because being at home meant that I couldn't like cheat and be like well i don't have a table saw but i'm going into the office every day where there are six table saws so yeah you know so i i had to work around that and it it taught me more about what what tools and abilities that i really do have and then to learn some other skills uh, in how i prepare things but i think and that was almost because of having to, I don't know, to go all Yoda on this is to like unlearn a few routines sure. before you yeah. can relearn, before you can learn something else. Yeah, you reteach so, yourself. Yeah. About the only thing that I missed with it was being able to uh, cut sheet materials relatively efficiently. Sure. You know, then you can have a rip fence set and cut yeah. larger panels. That's not as easy to do with a with a circular saw and a straight guide, straight edge guide. Mm-hmm. And for everybody that's going to get upset about Phil saying we have six table saws in the office, that's an overstatement. We only have five. <laughs> yeah, we got rid of yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> it was just too much. It was too much. <laughs> Six was obtuse. Five's just right. Just right. Yeah. Right. It's obscene. Yeah. Yeah. But one of them's a dado table saw, so it's really only four. That's yeah. true. Yeah, right. you can't count that one. Yeah. Which? How many router tables do we have? Like, we have yeah. to have. We got rid of two, a bunch, three, two or five. Five yeah. of them, right? Guess it depends right. on if you count some of the little ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, little ones or ones yeah. in the photo studio and. Those don't seem to get used quite as much. At least not. Well, I guess they do some in the in the um, 
the production shop. Yeah. Well, which is what, what's like funny to are... me is they're all shop built ones except for the one on our video set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's we have no other commercial commercially made ones. So mm-hmm. let that be a lesson for everybody. Build your own dang router table. Yeah. Mine's commercially made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I did that. So there's another one for lessons from the year is I made that little compact router table. Yeah. Yeah. For my mm-hmm. little Bosch Colt, partially because I had some prop pieces, stunt pieces from the TV show episode mm-hmm. when we built that table. But I, I had to make, I don't know, at least half of the parts for it. Um, and I did that because I wanted to get a router table because when I got rid of my table saw, my router table was built into one of the wings and I just missed having that router table capability. So I sure. built this little one thinking it would be a stopgap until I could build a larger router table for my bigger router. And it turns out that that stinking little router table is amazing in what you can yeah. do with it. Yeah. You know, I was using it for flush trimming parts on a template, you know, creating moldings, you know, dados, grooves, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had it set on top of my planer cart on top of the my thickness planer. And it just is a perfect little addition to to my workshop. So I still plan on making another router mm-hmm. table for my big router just because I want to be able to use some larger bits that I have. Mm-hmm. But um, but dang it, if you don't have a router table and you want one, that little fold-up compact router table is ideal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you even uh, went ahead and designed a a uh, little micro adjust fence for it too. That's going to be in an upcoming issue of yes, the magazine. Yes, it is. Yep. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I hate split fences. And so I wanted mm-hmm. something that was a smooth, continuous fence, but then easy to adjust. And yeah. So I went around on like probably two or three different prototypes before I settled on something. No, I love it. It's cool. So why do you, why do you hate mm-hmm. split fences? Just asking for the split fence crowd. For the split fence crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason number one is... There's a list. Think, yeah. Reason number <laughs> one is that the faces never stay coplanar. Okay. Almost never. Somehow dust or some kind of schmutz gets behind one of the other ones, and you get halfway through a cut, and your workpiece doink, doink right off the end, yep. you know, yep. and you have this catch and you got to deal with it in the middle of a cut and it usually creates a burn mark or a divot in your workpiece or something. That's why you chamfer that edge <laughs> on the, on the fence. Yup. Plow right Just through plow it. Right through. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. personally, I feel like it's overrated to for the most part to adjust the bit opening to the size of your router bit in very rare instances do i feel like i really want to change that bit opening mm-hmm. which i'll I admit might be laziness but mm-hmm. it's 
you know, I'm not using super, I, I think the largest bit I use is a slot cutter. And then the smallest would be some little straight bit. So. I feel personally attacked. I suppose. By <laughs> Phil's opinions. It is. Yeah. Go to your safe space. I'm in my safe I was space. Say, like, <laughs> yeah. How many times do you actually need a totally closed fence? I mean, as long as you're not, I mean, you're, when you have using the fence, you know, away from the bit to make a slot or something, it does, the fence doesn't have to be closed as long yeah. as you're not catching on that opening, that opening yeah. or, or anything. So, I mean, if it's perfectly, you know, flush or you should never have to completely close the fence for any yeah. reason. So I suppose that makes you know, sense. I'm not trying to say that this is the way to go, but it's just my, mm -hmm. in my work habits and in my experience, this is what yeah. works for me. And there's just so much in woodworking that's subjective. You know, I know that people have asked why Woodsmith doesn't really do tool reviews where we compare and contrast so many, you know, X number of thickness planers or hand planes or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I feel like those, as interesting as they might be to read, there's very little objective information in there. And that's right. so much it's subjective. Yeah. Cause you can sit there and compare specs, but you could do that, you know, just looking at manuals, right. it's, you got to kind of have to use the tools for, you know, several months oh, yeah. or a year and or two and to really figure out all the nuances and what you like and don't like. And by that time it's old yeah. news. So. Yeah, or a new version of that tool has come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, and on, on the fence subject, I don't know that I've ever had the need to adjust my fences. <laughs> I mean, I've only ever used split fences because that's what I have. That's what I've ever right. had. That's what I've always had. Mm -hmm. So I've always either had um, the, well, I've always had the Craig router table. Um, sure. Then it has split fences on it. Never had the need to adjust them. Yeah. Unless it's to open it up and make it a much bigger gap than it, you know, was before to put a, you know, panel raising bit in it or something. Yeah. So, yeah. And see, mm -hmm. I don't do panel raising with my router table. So it's not, not, it's just not something that I, it's almost like, uh, I get it as a feature, but it's almost along the same lines as adjustable shelves on a bookcase. <laughs> in the sense that you know if you 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 know like say you buy one of those flat pack bookcases because who of us hasn't done that and on the inside are adjustable shelves and there's 113 holes running up the full sides you know do you need that much adjustment for your bookcases no you don't really and after you set the bookcases you know wherever you set those pins when was the last time that you moved a shelf? Yeah. Right. You just put whatever shelf, fits yeah. on that shelf. Even though you can move it. So, again, totally personal preference, but it, it's like a, it, to me, it often comes across as an unnecessary feature. Mm -hmm. No offense to any cool. commercial router table manufacturer <laughs> implied. <laughs> 
All of these opinions Mills, are yeah. fills. It fills they only. Do not reflect. <laughs> they do not reflect the opinion of Woodsmith. The opinions of Woodsmith. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. You any resemblance that, to persons living or dead. <laughs> mm. uh. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about um, starting the podcast this year. The other thing that we started this year that didn't last long was the in-person <laughs> shop classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got one of those in. I think mid to late February, yeah, early March. I think because it, it was that was people, yeah. the folk who came. Some were wearing masks, and you know that's mm-hmm. when we were starting the no handshakes and all that right. kind of stuff. And I will say that that one personally hurt the most. Yeah, professionally because it was something that I had thought about in 2019 and we discussed it, uh, you two and uh, Becky and a couple other people on our team about doing more in-person things where we can have people, you know, come to our place or do an event where you get to meet the people and see what's going on. And we can talk about woodworking as a group and, share the excitement and joy of this hobby and so we had the six classes all planned out ready to go i think some pretty cool projects to do it uh a really good group of instructors and then we were going to do a second version of our large event at a really cool venue and then to have that all flushed down the toilet was was, yeah because it was a stinker because i really enjoy the teaching aspect of being mm-hmm. uh, being involved with woodworking not yeah I like being around other woodworkers and and talking about woodworking and sharing about the projects that we're building and techniques or tools or whatever it's just a lot of fun and I mm-hmm. that was a that was a blow yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's nice to see the faces on the other side of the magazine and you know what they're doing and building and kind of talk about that kind of stuff and socialize right. too and yeah well uh, and i think it's it's cool because it shows that like us that work at the magazine like we don't this isn't just a job for us like this is something we legitimately enjoy like oh, yeah. if if i wasn't at woodsmith my shop would look exactly the same as it does now you know and it would get used exactly the same way you know maybe minus a big tool here or there that you know i bought from the magazine but so i think that's that's the cool part it's like hey yeah we're people get to come and see that hey we actually we actually love this stuff like i and i I don't know that you can say that about every other publication you know what i mean right like there are many times where somebody gets put in editor spot at a magazine that they're there because they're an editor. They're not there because they love what the subject, the topic is. is. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I will say, you know, one other thing that I learned this year is that as isolating as the lockdowns and quarantines all were, I have valued being able to have connections with other woodworkers Mm -hmm. fully understanding the um, the privilege of my position or our position being part of the magazine, but knowing that um, 
you know, like I learned to turn this year. Yeah. Cause of you, Logan and being able to get some wood milled up or take advantage of, you know, material that you had cause you have a mill yep. or, um, like Chris with some CNC stuff, you know, I think CNC routers are super cool. I don't know that I could squeeze one into my shop, but yeah, it's nice to know somebody who knows what they're doing on a CNC and being able to ask to take advantage of their, you know, share their skills. So having that community of woodworkers is kind of fun. Yeah. Like, Hey, Chris, can you spit this out for me? Yeah. <laughs> I think I said that yesterday in the, uh, in the studio, like mm -hmm. now I have to put all these drawers in. Can I just have John finish this for me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want that. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, you know, I've, I, I agree with you. It's, I've learned to appreciate the, diverse ways you can do something you know what i mean like working in my shop versus the magazine shop it's it is different i mean it's it's completely different um having to figure out a way to do something that would be simple at work or in the workshop versus something in my own shop you know that's that has been pretty cool so yeah and it makes me appreciate my new favorite tool in my shop is my shooting board. <laughs> like completely. <laughs> See, and I have a shooting board and I struggle to get it to perform the way that I think it needs to perform. Oh man. I love mine. Like I was having issues with my, the table I'm working on the stretchers. Went into, I, I think I told you guys this. I went into the shop and assumed that the miter saw was set at 90 degrees. That was a terrible assumption on my part that made it, you know what, out of me because I assumed it. Um, and I, I cut my the stretchers on the, the curved stretchers on my table. Actually, the curved and the, the short stretchers, the aprons. And I was like, these are not at 90 degrees. They're like, yeah, 85 and a half degrees. Like there, it just was enough that it gave the legs a little splay. And I'm like, that looks stupid. Like that looks like an accident. <laughs> that doesn't look intentional. That looks stupid. And I was like, you know what? I don't have enough room on my table saw here. My table saw, there's not enough distance between the wall and my saw to put those 88 inch stretchers Oh, on yeah. a sled and trim the ends and cross cut and them. yeah and the ends are beveled they're like or they're i guess they're mitered they're mitered at like it's a weird like 72 degree angle or something so it's like you'd have to jack one end up and have it lay down it's just i was like this is stupid so i'm like you know what i got though i got a shooting board and i got a uh, number 62 and I'm going to try it. So I pulled it apart, sharpened it. Um, and my Lord, it worked great. It was perfect. I have a bunch of little like walnut and grain Frito-Lays laying around here from trimming the ends. So <laughs> it was amazing. New favorite tool. All right. Yeah. Cause I upgraded my shop vac from a small big box store 
shop vacuum and I got us a, a fine turbo two, I think they're smaller one. <clears throat> sure. And it is just a delight that I hate to wax poetic about a shop vac, but this <laughs> shop vacuum from fine is, is super fine. <laughs> it just doesn't, it's <laughs> quiet. There's a lot more suction on it and yeah. Being able to you know plug a you know like my random orbit sander into the tool and then have it kick on when I start it up or and I use yeah. it as the primary dust collection for my bandsaw when I'm working at yep. the bandsaw and it does a great job for what the kind of dust and chips that a bandsaw creates. Do you want to see my dust collection from a bandsaw? Oh boy, the floor. The floor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's funny because i have a rigid uh shop back it's i mean it's a bigger one it's 6.0 gallons i'm guessing the thing says um but like i was working in the video studio yesterday and we have a bosch one of the bosch dust extractors the difference in suction is just night and day Oh yeah. Like, I mean, it's just unbelievable. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's like, Oh, it's like, I could pick up, I could pick up like a socket wrench with that. <laughs> you know, it's like, don't get it close to the socket wrench. Cause it'll suck it up. Yep. I still have my craftsman shop vac from like probably 18 years yeah. ago yep. when I was first married for a set of house and, the the motor pops off and converts into a leaf oh, blower. Yeah. So I, yeah. I mean, yeah. they were living in like yeah. three thousand yeah. twenty yeah, exactly. back then. I mean, that's some. So it's still going strong. Yeah. For now. Well, you know, I think's kind of cool about <laughs> this year is it it forced it didn't necessarily force people into their shop, but it allowed people to be in their shops. Like we have seen the repercussions of that. You know, we, we sell woodworking plans and we've sold a lot of plans this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are many, many people in the woodworking space industry um, that has, have seen the same, uh, the same trends. Right. Um, we just had Shannon Rogers uh, write an article for us. He runs the, uh, the hand tool school. Um, and he said, you know, this year has been his probably his best year ever. Uh, he's had more students enroll in it and stuff like that. Um, I know Norwood is just, they're slammed. I mean, they're like backward by like eight months. Wow. Um, not, mm-hmm. not only because, I mean, obviously there's supplier issues because, you know, COVID sh- has shut everything down, but, you know, talking to to some of the guys at Norwood, they're like, you know, we usually have an off season, much like we do. You know, we we talked about woodworking season. Yeah. And the, they said, you know, we usually have an off season where people are not out milling. So they're not buying parts. They're not buying blades. They're not ordering mills. Uh, and they said this year that did not happen. This year has been a like an anomaly. So yeah. it, it's cool to see the the trend in people are stuck at home. So they're using their hands, you know, they're, they're building stuff. They're, mm-hmm. they're cutting stuff up. They're learning stuff. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I will so, say and- also that another benefit is, uh, I think we've seen a lot more, uh, 
reader projects and yeah. reader feedback, you know, letters coming back to us about responding to a project or an article in the magazine or videos or something like that so that it's not, you know, it's not all technical service questions about, hey, this number doesn't make sense or whatever. It's a lot of people, mm -hmm. you know, telling us about what they thought of the magazine or, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's been pretty cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think I'm, I'm taking a step away from the woodworking market. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the years to come if, if this uh, kind of shift in the U.S. workspace. And, uh, you know, I, I fully understand that this is not just the U.S. that's dealing with this. I mean, this is everybody. Uh, some countries have dealt with it better than we have. Uh, but it will be interesting to see if the uh, perception changes in the U.S. about the work week. Because the U.S. has always been a, you know, 60, 40 hour work week, something like that, you know where a majority of the world has been like a 30 hour work week or a 32 hour work week. You know, they're a four day work week instead of a five day, like the U S is. So it'll be interesting to see if the U S perspectives shift, um, and how the, uh, workplace shifts or if it does change, you know, yeah. um, once, mm -hmm. once vaccines are widely available and whether people choose to get them or not, you know, and stuff returns to, you know, air quotes, normal, it'll be yeah. interesting to see, what the workplace looks like, you know, will companies transition to more to be more of a, you know, work from home, work from the office, that's your choice, or if they will be more of a work remotely, um, because it works just fine. And we can save on rent or whatever, you know what I mean? So yeah. mm -hmm. just looking long term, it, it'll be interesting to see what the future holds in that regard. Yeah, people might be sick from sick, uh, you know, working from home by then and it's like, I got to get away from these kids. Which, and, yeah. I mean, it's completely, to an it's office. completely true. I mean, my wife before yeah. COVID had hit, she had transitioned to a job that was work from home. Um, one day a week she would travel to their office. Um, it's a couple hours away. Uh, but for the first couple months, she was like, this sucks. Like, I'm like, how does it suck? You roll out of bed, put sweatpants on, you brush your teeth and go downstairs. I mean, like, that seems awesome. <laughs> you know, if you think about the amount of time it takes to drive into the office, you're saving 45, 50 minutes every day, like by just walking downstairs. Um, Plus saving all the water on showering and laundry yeah, and brushing I your know, teeth. Right? It's like you're using hardly but any then water. You're using you're using your bathroom. So you get your toilet paper oh, expense your and your water toilet expense. paper. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. So. I heard that theory. That's why we had the toilet paper shortage because everybody was all of a sudden working from home. So like maybe these office buildings were like the golden Mecca of toilet paper stashes because mm -hmm. people weren't going to the bathroom at work. When the, when the apocalypse hits, that's where we'll go to find yeah, the toilet paper stash. Yeah. I don't know that if it's not the good stuff. Yeah, though. I don't think toilet paper is the first thing I'm going to grab in the apocalypse, but <laughs> Well, you're going to miss I out. Guess. <laughs> I guess. Well, if you remember, I'm going to add a bidet into my house, John. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so there's that. You're ahead of the game. Oh. I've got a garden house, so. <laughs> oh. Merry Christmas to everybody. 
Yes. Merry Christmas. Yes. As you're cleaning up the wrapping paper from your living room and listening to the Shop Notes podcast, your spouse now has less respect for you for right. listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. And you won't be allowed yep. to listen yep. anymore. So we apologize in advance. We had a we had a good run. Yes, we did. That's what we said. Like we get to a year on the podcast, and we just quit, right? Sure. Okay. To walk off, great. Finish yeah. on top. Isn't that isn't that what the guys on the uh, the uh, Wood Talk podcast do? Like, just quit every other month, and then they get this mm-hmm. huge resurgence of people listening. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm gonna have to ask yeah. Matt about that and see it's what like he says. Fourteenth annual going out of business sale. <laughs> <laughs> and you know. I'm not disrespecting those guys. They make they make jokes of it as well because they all have other stuff going on. Yeah. So they keep coming back because people ask them to come back. <laughs> I feel like we wouldn't have that. <laughs> it would just be radio yep. silence if we, Thank God. we stopped. Thank God those buttheads are gone. So should we talk about what we've been working on? <laughs> yes. We'll wrap okay. up the wrap sure. up today's show with that. It's it's Christmas Day, so we can talk about Christmas yeah. presents and true stuff too. So, yeah. so, so it was really nice, nice to be able to get all my Christmas projects done. And I don't know what the heck happened this year because I was doing really well, like really well on being ahead of the game for Christmas projects. And yeah. there it was the weekend before Christmas, and I was still freaking out trying to get something done. Not sure how that happened. Mm-hmm. It just... It just happened. It just happened. So got them done. So it was nice. I made a an art board for my daughter who loves to draw and paint and sketch and doodle and whatever. So it's uh, it's a board that stores paper inside of it, but then adjusts to three different elevations from flat and then two angles for um, supporting her paper while she's working so and then for my son who's kind of a video gamer i made a a stand to hold his controllers so nice there's not too much video game wise that you can make woodworking but i thought it would be kind of cool to have something more than just a basket to toss the controllers in sure what's his Mm -hmm. uh video game of choice video game (laughs) console uh xbox one gotcha Gotcha. and uh he's kind of a minecrafter yep cross-platform minecrafter yeah swear if i see another cube in my house (laughs) (laughs) i have sheep shapes of cubes i have pigs shapes of cubes my son has a minecraft cube lamp in his bedroom that gets turned on every night yeah there was a the guys at Benchcrafted, uh, Jamil Abraham, years ago, mm-hmm. shows you how long Minecraft's been around, did a veneered box for, I think, his son, who was into Minecraft at the time, that ah, looked like yeah. the the crafting box or whatever for from Minecraft, yeah. with that pixelated kind of look to it. Yeah. Thought about doing something that for my son, but we'll have to see. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Birthday. Yep. Yep. How about you guys? Um, so usually how it goes is I don't think about making anything for Christmas until 
about Thanksgiving weekend or December 1st, and then I get some harebrained scheme to <laughs> to build some crazy big project before Christmas and, um, you know, spending nights in the shop and annoying my wife because she needs sleep and shopping time. And so I thought I was doing pretty good this year. I was like, oh, I'm not going to start anything. And then um, last week I was in my son's room and I had set up a card table in his room um, the previous week because they were had gone online for a couple weeks uh, before Thanksgiving and he was they were back in school and I was like oh do you want me to take this card table down and he's like no I kind of like having something here I can you know set my computer on and do homework and stuff so then it's like oh well maybe I need Game to build on. an actual desk so now here we are uh, a few days before Christmas and I am you know, working wildly to glue stuff up and get it done. So uh, the desk is pretty simple. It's just a uh, top made out of um, a panel of, you know, dimensional Douglas fir lumber. They made the base out of black oh. pipe, you nice. know, different uh, fittings and, and stuff. So that was pretty easy. So been like any plumbing type thing, you're running back and forth and try to fit fittings and see how that all works together. So I got that figured out, but now I'm like a couple days out and it's like, okay, I have to glue this up. I got to get the glue to dry. Then I got to spray the top. And it's usually like two weeks before the lacquer, hard. you know, smell yeah, off gas and, is enough to, you know, yeah. goes away. So it's like, we'll see how this works. If, if I'm good, I know I'll get it all finished. It's yeah. like, but do I, am I going to have to keep it in, the shop and let so, the, the lacquer smell so the question off is, gas and just give him a yeah. picture so, of it. Like, see, this is, you're going to so get the question this. is with it being Christmas day so, and him opening it this morning. Did, I mean, was it still stanky? Like, right. That will be the, the question yeah. since we're recording this before. I don't know if it will actually be at our house or yeah. still sitting at the shop. I think it, so, but he's 15. Yeah. So, it's not like he needs to the excitement of unwrapping something. Well, you're just so heartless. We'll see. I know I am. <laughs> My kids um, have re started referring to me as reverse Santa. Yes. The anti Santa this week. Yes. Well, it's because I come at night and I take away <laughs> toys. Like they'll leave them out and I'll come in with a tote and just throw them all a tote and throw them up in the garage. And yep. It's like you got to earn them back. That's right. I'm not dealing with your mess, <laughs> right. so I'm reverse Santa. Yes. Come at night and yeah. toys disappear. Right. Yep. So yeah. that's fair. Yep. It's a thing. Yeah. So I so. this year after after doing what twenty some odd cutting boards last year, never again. Uh, <laughs> I decided this year the only Christmas present that was getting built wasn't really a Christmas. I mean, I guess. Is it a Christmas present if your wife asks for a dining room table for seven years and then you decide to finally build it? Yes. Still counts, right? You time it at, to come out to be done at Christmas and then it is a Christmas it's present. It's not done. <laughs> 20, Christmas right. 2021. Yes, that's right. Don't yep. finish it for yep. another it's year. Now. It's, for one of those, it's one of those traditional epiphany Christmas or epiphany gifts. You know, January. Yes. You still got yeah. some time. Yeah. 12 days of Christmas, so, man. Yeah. I know, right? So base is all glued up. Looks fantastic. I'll get a photo of it. Um, 
looks really good. I think I am going to add one stretcher to it. So right now it's just the the end aprons, the side aprons that are curved, and the legs. I think I'm going to add one stretcher down the middle of it, crosswise. Um, I think I'll do like a stopped sliding dovetail and just stick a stretcher in there just to add because those sides are flexible enough that if you grab them and pull and push you can flex them in and out a couple inches yeah um just because they're, i mean they're belt laminations so they're springy so just to kind of lock that in um and i think i have settled on you know this is i've, I've talked to, to phil about this we get the question all the time like hey I'm building a dining room table. My kids are buttheads and they're going to beat the crap out of it. What do I put for a finish on it? And my go-to answer has always been spray lacquer. Just because we have a, a pressure pot full of spray lacquer at work, it's easy to touch up. Um, you know, it, it's pretty durable, easy to apply. I'm not going to do spray lacquer. So I, I don't retract everything I've ever said about spraying a kitchen table with spray lacquer. But because this is a Thomas Mosier inspired piece, I'm going to do a Thomas Mosier finish, which I did a test sample here. So there's people watching on YouTube. So that's my test sample. Okay. So this is two, two coats of spray lacquer or it's not spray lacquer. I just said it wasn't spray lacquer. Dang it. Not to do this. spray lacquer, but it's actually wow. spray lacquer. I did not see that twist coming. <laughs> I did not see that twist coming at all. Wow. Uh, so this is what well, this is. Uh, this has been sanded up to 400 grit. And then it has two coats of hot boiled linseed oil applied. So I heated the boiled linseed oil in double boiler till it started smoking flood it on, let it sit for an hour. It smokes at like 190 degrees. So it doesn't smoke. It's not like a super high temp smoking point. Oh, okay. So like right as the water in the double boiler starts boiling, it's smoking. Um, and flooded it on, let it sit for an hour, wiped it off. Did that twice. And then I just hit it with a, um, with a paste wax. Spray lacquer. Yes, <laughs> it was spray lacquer. <laughs> so then I hit it with, with some paste wax. And what... I mean, it's just this, I, the whole reason Thomas Mosier does this is because it doesn't build a finish on it. So it doesn't look plasticky, right? Sure. You can still mm -hmm. fill the wood texture, the wood grain. Um, and it's just, it's just a nice finish. It really is. Um, it's touchable. Now it's touchable. Yes. Now it's not a finish that's super durable. Like I put a wet glass on this to see how, what would happen. I don't know if that will come across or not. There is a ring right up here. So it will get water rings on it. So I'm gonna have to train my children and my wife to use coasters. But it is extremely easy to touch up. You just have to throw a little bit more mm -hmm. oil on it and then paste wax it again and it's good to go, right? You okay. can sand it down. I mean, it's yeah. easy to touch up. Um, you have to do some maintenance on it. You have to add a coat of oil about every year. The, the old, you always hear the old saying, it's like oil it once a day for a week, once a month for a year, and then once a year for the rest of its lifetime. Right. I don't think I'm going to go that crazy on it. Um, but I really like that finish. So okay. I think that's what we're going to do. Um, I got my boards for my top cut. I screwed up. I know it's not going to come to a shock to you guys, but I screwed up. I, brought my walnut in 
to the shop and I showed I showed you this yesterday, Phil. Uh, and because I don't <laughs> I don't own a jointer or a planer um, anymore. I sold mine, so brought it in to the shop to start milling it and let it acclimate for you know a week or so before I, I do anything else with it. Um, and it was frozen, so I carried it inside. When it was frozen, I cut it to rough length. Then I ripped it down to rough width for my strips. And then I, I jointed the face of them. Um, and then I, I just stickered them and I was just letting them sit. The mistake I made is I did not let them come up to temp and acclimate before I cut them to length. So every one of the ends all checked. Um, it just, I walked in and saw that and it was a little disheartening. I'm like, Oh my God. I was like, I I don't have enough Walnut to, I probably have enough to, to recut them, but I'm not going to recut. I mean, that was like, yeah, uh, probably eight, eight pieces of Walnut that were a foot wide by 10 foot long. You know, it's like, I don't want to throw that much more stock at it. So I'm, I'm just going to deal with it. I'll get them playing down to thickness. Any of those checks that are still in the ends after I trim it to length, I will, I will fill them with some black filler or something. Um, I don't think it'll be that big a deal. It was just, it hurt my soul a little bit. Yep. Like I knew better. It yeah. just did not cross my mind. So yeah, you're just, so, yeah. it's kind of one of those. Moments. Uh, yeah. It's like, I know I like, <laughs> I know not to do this, but um, I, yeah. So I will say though, uh, over the course of building this table, I feel like this is one of those projects, maybe just me getting older. I'm, I'm going to say getting older, but I'm not. I'm not old. You're timeless. No, no. I, it's me realizing that the slower I go, the better. Okay. Right. So I'm like, this This table is the one time, or the one thing that I've built that I've actually, I'm like going slow. I'm not in a hurry on it. I mean, she's asked me to build it for seven years. What's an extra couple of weeks. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm not speeding right. through anything. I'm not trying to beat a deadline. Um, so I feel like this is the one time it's like, I, I do dry assemblies and everything, especially with curved parts. Like I'm doing dry assemblies. I'm, you know, after I cut everything, I used my smoothing planes and I smoothed everything. And then I sanded everything up to 600 grit before assembly. And then when I assemble it, I tape all the joints and, you know, peel the tape off. And it's just like, mm -hmm. everything goes so much better when you go slow <laughs> and take the time. It's amazing. So then it ends up actually yeah. going faster. It, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it really does. Um, and I think, you know, the overall thing will, will be better. So yeah. it's just, it's one of those things. And this, so I said my, my shooting plane was my new favorite tool in my shop. I will say I have what three, three Lee Nielsen block planes and one Veritas block plane. This guy's my new favorite one though. This is the, one of the uh, English minor planes I made for the magazine, a couple of issues back sure i mean trimming end grain random small little smoothing spots like it just i don't feel like there's any reason for me to keep any of my other black planes it's just i enjoy using that one so much more and i don't know if it's because it's the tool i made that i yeah. get that much more enjoyment out of using it but oh my gosh i just i enjoy it so much more uh um, cool 
like yeah, yeah, it's it's more finicky to set than something with an adjustment knob. Um, but I freaking love it. It, it, it was great. <laughs> so, yeah. Although I did tell you guys, I did make a mistake on that table. I glued up my end stretchers onto my legs and I started doing the math to glue up my top and trying to figure out how much material I needed for it. And I'm like, something is not right. This is not right. Like, so I went down and measured the end of the table I had already glued up and I glued it up. I cut my end stretchers 10 inches too long, which mm -hmm. is better than cutting them. Just missed. Yeah, just missed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's better than cutting them 10 inches too short, but you know, it's one of those things. It's like, you know what? This isn't that big a deal. Take my carcass saw cut. These are um, loose tenons. So yeah. uh, loose mortise and tenon, just cut it right at the leg hand plane off the the stock that's left on the leg cut the stretcher that's already attached to one of the other legs down just throw them on the, the shooting mortises. board yeah just redo the mortises wasn't just that big a deal pocket screw it <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh so yeah luckily i caught it before i had my top glued up because that would have been sure. awkward right mm -hmm. so Still fixable, but awkward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it, this was something that one of our um, our friends over at Fine Woodworking, Ben Strano, I don't remember if it was a YouTube video, if it was one of their uh, podcasts, but the, the heading I saw was, you know, Fine Woodworking's Ben Strano says, you'll become a better woodworker if you, Im I don't remember if it was if you embrace the mistakes or if you recognize that mistakes are going to happen. Right. And I'm like, yep, completely. Like, instead of beating yourself up, figure out, you know what? I can fix that. Ain't yeah. that big a deal. Ain't no thing. Ain't no thing. Right. That does it for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Just wanted to say Merry Christmas again to everybody. And thanks for listening and for joining us during this year of all the ups and downs. Uh, hope you had a great Christmas. And we'd love to hear uh, how you spent your holiday, if you celebrate Christmas, or um, what kind of gifts that you gave to other people. I think it's important as woodworkers that we share our craft and our skills with those uh, around us. So we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you can leave them on our YouTube page, or you can also check out the show notes page at our website, woodsmith.com slash podcast. Otherwise, we'll see you again next week, New Year's Day, for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com.